0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex. You're listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday edition. So before we get started, thanks to everybody who has been listening to the podcast. If you haven't checked the feed lately, um I put out another manga minute because I got to what I thought the time was um which was literally yesterday. So when <laughs> I thought yesterday, was, at the time of recording this, the last available volume of Plus Size Elf, and I was like, I really need to write about this. It has consistently made me laugh in a way that manga lots of times isn't capable of, just because the timing is is so in your control that you need to be able to stretch a joke out long enough where it becomes like a puzzle, and if you want to get to the end of that puzzle... You have to read, like, a whole friggin'... You have to skip a whole friggin' chapter to the end. You can't just satisfy yourself with moving to the next panel faster. Um, but I really like that manga, and there's a manga minute out about it now, so it'll literally take you... The whole thing is two minutes, but my explanation is literally a minute. Um, so go check that out. It's, um, a bonus in the feed. Um... But I wanna talk about something I wanna talk about something that Bill Maher just um convinced me to talk about. Um because sometimes I'm up at three in the morning watching fucking Bill Maher because I'm thirty now and that's my wife. <laughs> or I'm in my thirties now and that's what just fucking happens sometimes. Um but so I read this of a family member actually my mom sent me a article in the New York Times that you might have seen and it's a really interesting really well researched really well interviewed article about animator wages in Japan to give you an idea this a standard and the kind of like standard pay for an animator in the United States Is somewhere like seventy five thousand a year. Um, The standard wage, this which nets out to more than two grand a year, which nets out to more than about more than about two grand a month. The standard wage for an animator in Japan is way, 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 way less. It's some animators can make as little as two hundred dollars a month. If you're a teenager and you're like, oh, that sounds like a lot of money, it's not. And if you're a teenager in twenty twenty one, it probably doesn't sound like a lot of money, which you're right, it isn't. Animators are these animators are creating the one of the prime exports of culture. Of Japan, and they are being paid like dog shit. And they, if you look at something like Shirobako, they very quick. They like super. They, they don't even. That's one of the financial things about animation that they don't even touch on. Because like having that conversation would be half would necessitate like the studio. I think it's J C Staff. Having that conversation with itself internally, also, and just <laughs> the, the results aren't good. One of the things that um ended up that was most tragic about um the Kioani fire was that Kioani did everything it could in order to pay its animators a real livable wage. In order to own all the IP that they create, if you look at KyoAni's body of work, I can't think of anything that's not a that's not an original concept from. It's not a wholly original media media IP from them. They don't do things like, um, and even Studio Ghibli did this. Um, Goromizaki did um, just did an adaptation of. Earwig and the Witch, which is um, middling, is what I I would call it. Kind of what I called it in my review, which you can go listen to in the feed of whatever, on whatever podcast app you're using right now. But one of the things that often happens with anime articles in mainstream media is it's not about you you or I as the seasoned otaku or even an otaku has who is like at that two year threshold. I've talked about this before. most anime fans in America are fan are hardcore fans for about two years, and then they migrate into something different or it's like their fandom changes in a way where they're not as um Aggressively watching anime. That's why you know Shonen is so popular and all the rest. Because lots of it is, you know, fourteen to sixteen year old high school students who are there for the hype. And that's kind of that's kind of it. Um, That's not the only kind of fan there is. Believe me, it's part of the reason why I started this podcast was because I wanted people to be aware that there are. A lot of anime fans who have been in it for decades at this point, and um, that and that just that amount of time of us watching and consuming the medium is valuable. But the thing is, is that and the, the way the way I came the way I came to think about. This and approach this is um, I'm gonna gonna show my political colors here, and if you're surprised by this, you have not listened to the rest of the show, so I'm sorry, um, but Bill Maher had um Megan Kelly on on Friday to talk about the kind of. Reverse racism that is happening in school systems, and or as she sees it, and once again, take Meg- Megyn Kelly with a giant piece of like a boulder-sized piece of rock salt because <laughs> she's making Kelly and fuck Fox News the whole nine, but she would try and talk about the kinds of worksheets that schools are giving young kids and they showed one of them and it was kind of it was ridiculous i will pass up to saying like giving a giving a um you know young grade school giving a young like even giving a middle school kid a a worksheet that says rate yourself on a scale of white supremacist to white abolitionist, with all these like stops in between, is insane. Like, no one, nobody who is born, who is stuck in the race of their birth, meaning that like they, you, you don't have a choice what race you're born as. It just happens. Should necessarily have to be the have to be presented with that hard line of a thing with that much of an adult of a thing. Once you hit your twenties, you, or once you're in college, you gain. You're like a function. You're like a almost functioning human. At times, you know what you say and what you do in the world is has a real effect on it. When you're in like, you know, kindergarten, middle kindergarten, grade school, middle school, high school, high school is probably where, (laughs) is where you could release that and like, you you'd catch some fucking Nazis. (laughs) But before that, it it's masking a real problem, and what I ended up thinking about was the New York Times article about anime. Um, about anime industry um, salaries is that writing another article about it, writing, you know, telling people about it is a good thing. But it's also, it's the table stakes at this point. What needs to happen is a kind of, like, industry-level reckoning. With animator, um, with animator pay and the real value of what they're prov- of what they're providing, because what if you've been, if you've watched anime for long enough, what you know that what you know they're doing is they're creating work, they're creating artistic work, they're creating artistic work for the purposes of entertainment in a medium that allows them to do. Some of the wildest shit out there. Just some of the wildest shit out there. I mean... And that's before you even qualify it as good or bad. Like, you go watch... um, Netflix just dropped um, the entire first season of... um, The... um, Of... um, High-Rise Assault. And... it's. I haven't even watched I haven't even watched or seen meaning on TikTok um <laughs> clips on TikTok enough of it to be like this is good but I've seen enough of it to be like this is fucking wild this, this deserves like a, this deserves to be in the in just, like the general catalog of stuff out there because it's f- Banana Foster's Crazy, and an, inter- and an interesting approach to the concept. Um, there's um, that, but alongside it, like, uh, probably five um, posters down from it in the Netflix queue is um, that Rohan Jojo spinoff, which, which is also wild, and then you stop and then you stop and think about the animators who made that stuff what were they paid what what did they agree what work conditions did they agree to what probably um and we we get we get one every couple every probably every couple of years at this point an anime that focuses on making anime and the um the guys over at AWO said said it kind of bad. They said, like, when Otaku no Video came out, we all thought, this is the real shit. This is, like, this is what. This is how it really happened. And then Genshiken came out and they're like, no, this is the real shit. But so much of anime, of the anime about making anime, is governed by not the animators, but the companies. So in both cases, what I end up thinking about is, you, like, if you want to fix the problem of white supremacy, what you really need to do is you need to not give, you know, 8, eight to 14-year-olds... Eight to worksheets about white supremacy. You can do that once they hit a certain age, like once they're in high school, they should probably start, they should probably be presented with the concept and be presented with the way the world doesn't, with, with the way the world is not equivalent to everyone. Not equal, equivalent. There's a difference Equality means everybody gets the same thing. Equivalency means that allowances are made for things like race, you know, they call it caste in India, but like class, you know, whether or not, like, say for example, people would say that If you're born in one place, in one place in America, another place in America, you can do the same thing, but that's a lot harder if the place you're born, the food desert, and the only thing around you to eat is like McDonald's. Whereas if you're born in another place, at the same income level, I want to say, like, meaning not a super wealthy person, but if you're born in another place, you've got a you got a um, Shoprite grocery store, or a Kroger's or a like a mid-priced normal grocery store. I'm not talking Whole Foods that you can go and shop at every week. And you can have a balanced diet, and that's not in your way. But the big problem now is, is that we've hit the point where the building blocks people are working with need to change. So people don't need to, so the, so like general civilians don't need to make the choice of like, well, we can't reorder textbooks. We, we can't change the tech, like we're not in charge of the textbook. So the best we can do is go as hard as we can in a way that's outside of the textbook to reteach the results of the the causes and consequences of slavery and in that same way animator like when we're talking about animator salaries the best we can do is make is make someone who isn't aware that like the people who made um Made something that is so clearly going to be full of memes and insanity, and be pretty popular, like high-rise assault. Were paid, you know, two hundred dollars a month, le- less than it costs you to buy groceries some week a month, some weeks in in some places a month. But we as like consumers and as critics can't change that. It can only be changed at the source. And that's, what, like I said, that's why um, the... Um, and, there's so, and there's some people trying to put Band-Aids on it, like there's the Animated Dormitory Project, which um, seeks to provide animators with an affordable place to live. There's all kinds of initiatives, but that doesn't fix the problem that... You know, when an animator at, say, Namco Bandai, at, at, say, Bandai Entertainment, is given a project, at at this point, their salary probably isn't public anymore because, no, like, the, the studios aren't dumb. They don't want to put themselves in harm's way. But the table stakes should be, okay, if I'm working on this, if I'm going to be a key animator on this project, or if I'm going to be an in-between animator on this project, I should be able to make this much. Period. And, like, it should be within... It should be in my employer's interest to pay me enough to be able to fucking eat or be able to afford rent on something that's not I sleep standing up in a broom closet. Um... And it, but that has to happen at like such a base level at such a. So in compu, so in computer science, they call like they they call the base level of programming and hardware the metal. So like the closer to the metal you are, and they also call being close to the metal, being further down the stack. So the closer to the metal you are, the further down the stack you are, the more you can change about a machine or or the programming of that machine. And with a lot of problems like, you know, animator salary in Japan. R- racial understanding in Everywhere you need to get to the building blocks, you need to get to the metal of whatever that issue is, and you need to start making that shift there. If I had to guess based on the way that um, a studio like Kill looks, I would bet that Kill took a, like animes of a Annie, and I would imagine it's a true trigger too, took a look around the industry and took a look at themselves as industry players and said how do we build not that how do we build a studio that is totally professionalized totally capable of delivering what everybody else is delivering but does it in a way where you know the cr- creative the professional creatives that we're employing are paid livable wages are and we can keep paying them livable wages because a, a lot of what is happening in the anime industry most likely is these companies are maximizing their are maximizing their profit at the cost of their workers and to give away and each time they chip off of that, they make less profit. But what you also need to remember is most anime is not a, is not truly original content. Most anime is an anime adaptation of a original work in the form of manga or light novels or any, or video games um, or <laughs> card games. And so the result is, they they're paying a base price just to get access to the property. They are licensing a property to create, um, to to interpret into an anime. This is this was um this was was the thing with um cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. There are certain parts of that game that you look at it and you're like, this is fucking weird. Why'd they do this? And then, like, you, I said, like, yeah, there's too many ads about sex in this game. It is, like, horny without... it. It is horny in the way that, like, it had never... act Like, it's, like, horny like a teenager who had never actually been really horny before. <laughs> and my friend Lauren from the Anne Caney podcast, well, podcast about X-Men in one of our um, uh, preambles that I always cut out as bonus material for the Patreon, just said, oh, no, that's part of the card game. Like, that's, that's written into the, um, the, table, the tabletop RPG. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, because it, that means that somebody thought through it all the way, and this is just not the best implement, implementation or the implementation without real understanding and explanation on behalf of the publisher and the ultimate player, a.k.a. me. And so they, like, there's a lot of constraints on most animation studios. And if you look at some of the newer ones, they've usually designed as a business in opposition to the old guard. Studio Trigger is a offshoot of Studio Gynax. If you look at Studio Gynax now, and that's also true of Studio Kara. Um, um, Hideki Anno's studio, which is solely designed design to make sure that he doesn't kill himself in the middle of making an Ava thing. Because the show is apparently very destructive mentally for him to work on. Um, but those two studios are designed specifically not to end up at the point at which they're a weird fucking shell company nightmare. <laughs> Hashtag job, the way Studio Gynax had, had ended up being. And But the thing is, like, back in, back in the day, Gainax was creating these cool-ass things. Gynax is uh, what Otaku no Video is about creating. And the result is, it's become this, like, money-grubbing weird group of old men trying to, like, pump Ava for money every chance they get. It's very strange. Then you look at Studio Kara, which is using the big thing it has, which is Ava, because Hideki Yano is the creator of Ava, and completely recontextualizing it and changing it so the story fits exactly what he wants it to be in the form of the Ava rebuild movies. And then you look at Studio Trigger, which is about taking the modern otaku style and culture and, like, constantly distilling it and constantly focusing it in a way, in a really defined, specific style that produces shows like Kill Kill, Little Witch Academia, um, Brand New Animal. And all of those are, like, really trigger-style shows, but all of those shows are pretty fucking different, <laughs> and you turn around and you look at the old at the old guard, and they're 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 making the like big, complicated adaptation of a of a existing property, and they're big and beautiful and interesting, but you never hear anything out of the artists lots of times for those shows until after the fact. And that's probably so they can have a chance to edit the interviews and, like, clean it up and not be quite as messy, whereas a studio like um, Trigger is okay with being a messy bitch that you come to for awesome which is great. Um, and I'm not even a Trigger super fan, to be clear. Although well, I do donate to the Patreon. Full disclaimer, I guess. Um, but the... And then you get a studio like um, Kiani, which is like, you never hear anything out of them, but they very quietly have a merchandise shop that does very well. And that allowed them to make a kind of immediate money. I've talked about this before, after they, ha- after they had that tragic event of a fire. And it's, it allows them a level of financial independence that most studios don't have because they give the merchandising deals off to a toy maker or something like that. And Annie is seeking a kind of self-sufficiency that makes it possible for them to continue to be sustainable, sustainable in a way that like two hundred dollars for a um to employ an animator really isn't. Um, and that it's just like I said at the beginning of this, we really need to stop asking ourselves. Let's stop saying to ourselves like, oh. They really should pay animators more. And maybe I should boycott the studio because they pay their animators like shit. Because it's too much of the industry (laughs) to boycott it. And most most anime fans, um, what they would probably do is not boycott the show, but they would pirate the show. Which means the show is still getting watched. Which means the numbers are still there. And I've talked about that before. They're not actionable, but the numbers are still there and you're not hurting the people you think you're hurting. What people need to do is they need to be asking for a kind of table stakes at a at a base level, at as close to the metal as possible of, okay, great, you want to make this adaptation. I'm really excited. How much are you the studio making it going to be paying your in-between artists? How much are you going to be paying your sound editors? How much are you going to be paying your um what's it called? Your um your sorry, it's giving my mind. Your CG artist, how much are you going to be paying your key animator? How much are you going to be paying your background artists. If that doesn't meet a certain number, I'm not... It needs to be said loud and clear, like, meet that number, we're good. Don't meet that number, miss me with that horseshit. Just miss me with that horseshit. I'll go read the manga, support the mangaka. Mangakas have their own specific problem of overwork and the schedule set by an insane human being um in, like, the f- 50s and 60s should not be the norm. They should be able to, you know, go on family vacations, take, take a week off, and be fine, not be weird fucking illustration slaves. That's its own thing. But also the same thing. You know... Uh, Something we're learning that we keep having to learn in America is that it's in capitalism's best interest to make sure that the participants in capitalism, a.k.a. the people who work in capitalism, are not just kept, like, fake happy, but kept really happy in a way that is fair to them and equitable to them, because eventually you will burn through the amount of people a big enough amount of people, and people won't be ready in time to replace them. That it's all going to fall apart in a way where it's not built. You like you can't build back. You just you just live in a generation of burnouts, of absolute burnout for decades. At least two decades at some point. Because, like, you'll need a level of competency for the very top of that system that won't be there until somebody's, like, maybe 20. Let's say 18, if you're lucky. And if you look at lots of millennials, and people my age, that's largely what happened to us. We, we burned the fuck out. Because... Uh, corporations and companies were set up to, like, convince us that, like, everything is happy-go-lucky, everything is fine, but we ended up graduating, like, training and college, like, training schools and vocational schools and college in a period of time when everything was not fine, when everything was terminally fucked. And in order to make any money, in order to have any independence... We had to settle for the kinds of jobs that would normally be weeded out by the, rest, by the system because no one would take them. And that's what's happening in the anime industry. Your eye would not take your I as professionals me as a creative professional, I can't say for sure about you, dear listener, would not take a job for 200 dollars a fucking month. But the anime industry, to the anime industry, right now, that's table stakes. That's what you have to put up with. And they prey on people's love of the medium. So the table stakes just need to be changed for the entire industry. Or for enough of the industry, say, like, um, it can't only be 50%, it needs to be above 50%. Let's say. 60 let's say seven let's say 70% of all studios pay a livable wage. What that means is if Bandai if Bandai want to pay an animator you know five bucks an hour or whatever the fuck, then they have an option to be like, no, the, like I love this property, I'm devoted to this property, but I'm not devoted to eating canned tuna once a day for my entire life. I'm gonna go work at a place that pays me minimum thirty bucks an hour. And on that note, um I know this is a big weird um Sunday edition, but I just found it interesting when I was watching Bill Maher that like I ended up thinking about this article that I wanna talk about here anyway. Um for the same reason, but I, I found myself reacting to like, and not just cause she's Megan Kelly, but like, I found myself reacting to the intention of the people making these insane worksheets for like eight year olds as that's like, they have the right idea, just not at the right point of production of teaching of teaching a child the question isn't like that we need to teach people that you know the result that racism is systemic the question is who should be producing the materials one of um i'll end on this but one of the most like revolutionary experiences I ever had was I went down to Montgomery, Alabama, and I saw the um, Equal Rights Initiatives um, Museum there, and then I saw the Memorial for Peace and Justice. And if, if you want to experience the totality of sheer fucking racism in the world... Racism in America specifically, actually, not in the world. But in start to understand it in the world. And you can go there, go there. You will feel the kind of weight of the fact that, like, lynching is still a thing. <laughs> and it, it, as a person of color, as specifically of half-black, half-white dude. I probably, like, cried more that day than I have in certain years of my life. I was, like... It was so deeply... Like, it was so deeply fucked. And when I'm looking at, you know, teachers teaching this shit, I'm... I can't stop thinking of Yeah, but these kids also get textbooks. And the textbooks talk about none of this. In many cases, they don't talk about, you know, like why they they don't talk about necessarily some or maybe they do because I I went I went it was a family trip I went with my mom and there was like all kinds of stuff that I knew to be fact. She did not know to be fact, which means there are all kinds of stuff that you know kids are learning about now that I didn't learn about. But it's it's probably still insufficient. It's definitely still insufficient. So when you think about something like you know a- anime that's problematic toward women, for example, what we should be ask, what we should be thinking about is. Well, what was this produced in the first place? How could this be pr- be produced in the first place? One of my favorite conversations I had with my um friend anton from that I know from like middle school and high school um was he <laughs> he looked at me dead ass one day and goes, "Alex, what was Japanese people and the Nazis?" <laughs> and I just said to him, like. After they lost, they, they, it, they, were the first, they were the first and only country to experience, not once, but twice, the, the effects of a nuclear weapon, which is a real big fucked up thing. And no one taught them, at, no one sat down and in the same vein they said, nuclear weapons bad, nuclear bad, also Nazis bad not cool with that either so it and it like stayed in the consciousness in a way where it kind of hasn't in the originator country of germany and now it's a weird fetish culture (laughs) because no one fixed it quick enough and absolutely there are like japanese people know like no nazis are fucking assholes but there aren't But even they don't feel it with, like, the fervor of, like, hey, let's go punch a fucking Nazi. (laughs) They feel it, like, with the fervor of, oh, advertising sucks. Nazis suck. They're not, like, they're not ready to get out in the streets and, like, punch a Nazi in the face. (laughs) The way most, the way the majority of America is very clearly, like, we doing this? We we cold cock and Nazis now. And that's really what I'm talking about. It has to be like this stuff has to be table stakes. It has to be if you don't do this, you don't play. And on that note, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday edition. Sorry it went so long. I had big thoughts about a big problem. Um that's why I started the Sunday edition. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to me in whatever you're using to listen to the podcast right now. If you really like this episode, tell your friends. I do this every Sunday. I do a show like this where it's metatextual or um, more philosophical. On um, Thursdays, I talk about a specific show that I'm interested in and I've either watched recently or in any number of years past. Um... Um, But until third day, I've been Alex, and I'll talk to you later.